and welcome on The Barricades. This is a podcast produced by Eastern European journalists and academics, and we discuss events taking place in Eastern Europe from a critical perspective. Now, the geopolitical context changed a lot since the war in Ukraine started, and we discussed a lot about Ukraine, about what's going on there, and about Russia. And we wanted to make a habit of discussing Russia with Russians that are still, despite what the Western media claim, still able to discuss in a pretty decent, rational manner, but critically towards what's going on in their country. This is why we invited today again to our microphones, to our cameras, Maria Ananieva. She is teaching English in Russia and she also specializes in the analysis of propaganda. Welcome to the show, Maria. Yeah, um, hello. Yeah, and I'm very happy to have been invited here today to give a talk about the topic that we are going, in fact, to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are discussing again uh, Navalny. I told Maria that uh, we kind of got used in Eastern Europe to have all sorts of leaders that are backed by the Western powers and are presented oftentimes as saviors of our countries. And we even voted in some of these politicians that were presented as the new hope. Maybe Navalny is the new hope, for real, I have no way of knowing, but at least for me, here in Romania, we got a little tired of this scenario where you have some guy coming out of nowhere, he somehow manages to gather a lot of money and to present himself as the true leader, as the pure leader, fighting the evil in our countries. And we even voted in, as I told you, Maria, and I'm telling the viewers, a lot of time uh, politicians that were presented in this way. Now, when when you looked at their political program and what their ideas were, they were not very different or revolutionary. They were not for helping the poor or, you know, nationalizing companies, of changing the way we produce goods, like encouraging cooperatives, nothing revolutionary, but the same thing, but with a different flavor, with a flavor of uh, the martyr, of the hero that comes uh, to, to save our countries. And this is why I wanted to discuss Navalny. He was, the, the, the documentary presenting him was recently awarded an Oscar. And it was quite a media frenzy around this uh, Russian. Apparently, we have the right kind of Russian seems to be the one in Putin jail by Putin. This is if you want to win an Oscar, you oppose Putin, he puts you in jail. And uh, this is how you reach international uh, fame. So, The first question I want to ask, from your opinion, I think it's very difficult to tell, but still, I mean, I'm quite uh, able to make predictions and to to really tell how politicians is like perceived in my country. And this is why I wanted to ask, is he so popular in Russia or is he more popular in the international arena? Mm-hmm. Thank you for your question, Maria. And I would say that, like the opinion polls or the results of some opinion polls, are pretty curious in terms of 
uh, Navalny's support. But uh, like before I get down to the results themselves, I would like to say that as Russia um, actually can be considered an autocratic state that is uh, unfortunately in, uh, engaged or is involved in uh, warfare nowadays, it's pretty difficult to rely, to wholly rely on opinion polls. Just once we talked about this, opinion polls, just people may not be able to uh, freely air their opinions and attitudes while talking to the interviewers and those people who work for these um, uh, pollsters. Yeah, but if we take a look at uh, two uh, different uh, pollsters or uh, like two different organizations that are involved in um, asking people about different issues on the political agenda, we will see like the following things. So uh, I would like to start with uh, an organization that is sponsored by the state. In Russian, it's called like Zeom. And uh, like in February 2023, that means like two months ago, this organization conducted an opinion poll to uh, like to understand uh, what politicians uh, Russians trust. And uh, curiously enough, Navalny also popped up. But uh, we need to like uh, to note that uh, people expressed very low levels of trust. Um, yeah, like 1.8% or something like this. So this is just nothing. This is minuscule, yeah. And uh, of course, like you you can guess uh, who tops uh, the rating. Of course, it was Vladimir Putin so with more than, I think, 60% or something like this. So you see 1%, uh, 1.8%, that's nothing, and 60% for Vladimir Putin. Yeah, so, but that was the organization uh, sponsored by the state. Mm -hmm. If we take a look at Levada Centra, which was dubbed a foreign agent, unfortunately, some time ago, then the situation, like, is practically the same. Uh, but, uh, they, like, there, there was, like, a special opinion poll conducted to figure out people's attitude towards Navalny. And so, according to, again, February, this February, more Russians express an unfavorable view of uh, Alexis' um, activities than a favorable view. So it's like 57% is unfavorable, unfavorable view, and 9% that's about people who are ready to support him. So again... How many? How many are ready to support him according to Levada? Uh, 9%. Oh, 9%. Uh... Yeah, just, but uh, I would say that this opinion poll was uh, like, it was um, more multifaceted because it consisted of more questions. But okay. again, according to m most questions, like people were not outspoken in his support. Yes, that's that they were not ready to uh, give their votes for him and so on. And judging by the results, at least of these two polls, so pollsters, I mean, that's the one that is supported by the state and the, uh, the other that is backed, like, in the, like that has some independence, let's say status quo, but, but is considered to be a foreign agent by the state. We can say that if like elections uh, were to take place in the near future, like Navalny maybe would get just uh, a minuscule uh, number of uh, votes, something like this, in comparison with what we had 
back in 2013. But at that time, the political landscape again was um, was completely different from what we have now, unfortunately. Yes, let us mention for the viewers that he ran uh, in the electoral race for becoming mayor of Moscow, and he took uh, more than 20%, almost 30%, if I'm not mistaken, of the votes, 27 or something like this. So he was pretty close. And a lot of the citizens living in Moscow thought of him um, as a potential candidate, and it was even the idea of having a second round of elections and the mayor uh, in uh, the mayor that was elected and came first uh, wanted this second round, but apparently it was not uh, held in the final aftermath. But I think that was the, the peak of his popularity, isn't it? Um, like... I would say that uh, that's quite an interesting idea that it was like the peak of his popularity just because um, like I think that any election or like your participation in uh, different electoral or electoral campaigns can be considered to be your peak just because what is politics about? Politics is like in, the, in its crudest forms. Politics is about getting to power, like like being uh getting sorry getting power or being elected to power. Uh, maybe it was his peak, but I would say that he was like catapulted to fame uh, during the protests that uh, broke out in 2011 and 2012. Yeah, just the first articles uh, started emerging at this uh, very time, like 2010, 2011. Yeah, and then of course he participated in the elections in 2013. He came second, that's right. Uh, and um, that's quite interesting that the Western uh, media at that time portrayed him as Sobanian's sparring partner. Like it's like a boxing, uh, a boxing term, but even like Western media did not believe uh, that he would be able just to challenge uh, the, the current authorities and to get the office. And so in fact, uh, like this media outlets were right. So, like looking at the issue from this perspective, then we will say that any like electoral campaign, like your participation and just some scores, can be considered like your peak, the peak of your popularity, something like this. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm thinking because um, there's also this question, you know, Boyan Stanislavski, the co-host, who unfortunately, due to some health problems, uh, mm. uh, was not able to to make it today. He caught a cold. <laughs> And he was coughing when I spoke to him and it was impossible for him to, to use his, his voice. And mm -hmm. um, he said when discussing Navalny with Stanislav is that we have to ask ourselves, what is the function Navalny is, you know, fulfilling in Russia? What is his role? What is the main purpose of having this politician. And I'm also of the opinion that his role is to be there to somehow represent the enlightened elites backed by Western uh, democracy-loving, uh, you know, political and financial elites, and somehow to present himself as a progressive leader. 
but is he truly that progressive or is he just, you know, presented as very progressive uh, in the international arena? From what, you're, what, what you were able to, to read about him, from his declarations, from his political, you know, debates, is he progressive, like in terms of the LGBT for him? Is he supporting the rights of sexual minorities, for instance? Uh, um, thank you for your question. As for his progressive views, I would I would like to cite like the following story. And then it happened uh, some time ago. Um, you may have heard uh, of this. Like Amnesty International, like caused a kind of a scandal by uh, downgrading Navalny's status or just by rescinding his status of uh, prisoner of conscience. Yes, and that was done due to his uh, past statements related to some xenophobic uh, sentiments, and you have mentioned them today, and his intolerance in general. And uh, I would say that the Western media have repeatedly admitted the fact that Navalny um, has some uh, nationalist sentiments, definitely, and uh, that he uh, is not as tolerant as some people try to portray him or try to describe him. So the Western media uh, accepts that. Yeah. And uh, as for his personal statements and leanings, um, yeah, uh, there was this famous video of 2007, uh, yeah, where he equates uh, Chechen militants with cockroaches. But um, like, I don't want, in fact, to justify anybody's choice of words, but uh, Chechen militants, in fact, in the Western media are Chechen terrorists. That's why, like, he used this very, I think that he used this very strong term just to, uh, like, to criticize or to slash Ch Chechen terrorists. Um, but yeah. explain a little bit the status of, of Chechenia and in what context did he make this, this very aggressive statement and xenophobic and racist against the Chechens? What was the main problem? Um, I think that uh, like the 2000s, oh, yeah, the uh, uh, 200, yeah, the, the period sorry, between 2000 and 2010 was quite, I think, unstable in terms of uh, political uh, stability and some terrorists unfortunately, uh, unfortunately perpetrated their terrorist attacks on the territory of Russia, despite the fact that the second Chechen war uh, ended um, at the beginning of the 21st century. And uh, like some terrorist attacks unfortunately took place. And I think that this very video was related to that, uh, to, to that very context. That just, it was not just something like a bolt out of the blue. Uh, but um, as far as I remember in 2008, in the context of the Russia-Georgia war, in fact, he used some bad words or some even tabooed words in order to refer to uh, Georgia, like you know, as a country, and like the the Georgian, uh, like people, yeah, and uh, that's why like Amnesty International, like justifying its decision, Amnesty International referred to such past statements, yeah, and uh, in his uh, like um, in his interviews, Navalny himself has uh, admitted that he was a nationalist, and again, the Western mass media have uh, have also like acknowledged that. Uh, but despite all this, 
Actually, yeah, politicians, uh, I would say, may say practically everything. If it's uh, if we talk, if we look at the at politics as a, a sign of sheer pragmatism, if something serves your interests right now, so of course you can use this, and you can like uh, uh, you can um, employ that, uh, whether we like this or not, even if it's some t- like taboo words or some slurs. So if like po- if they serve the current goal, then politicians of course will resort to them. But uh, and amnesty and National has acknowledged this fact, and that's why it decided to rescind his status. Uh, the, uh, notwithstanding all these like uh, nationalist sentiments, uh, the Western media outlets have uh, depicted, or, or, um, or they have like cast Navalny in a very positive light over the recent years. So even if we take a look at uh, the degree of importance that is attached to this political figure in the West, we will see that like uh, the West uh, does um, regard this person as a viable contender like for uh, Putin and uh, his regime, just because the words uh, that have been used are pretty obvious, and I would say that they are as clear as day that like Navalny is a charismatic leader, that he is a high-profile critic of Putin, he is the most famous dissident, uh, he is Putin's nemesis, he is a symbol of freedoms that Russia has lost, he is the man Putin fears, and uh, such like. Yes, this is yeah. exactly what I wanted to ask because Stanislav Bishop, while invited to discuss also Navalny, put forward a very interesting idea that, okay, if we don't regard Navalny as the true opponent and contender of Vladimir Putin because <clears throat> he is backed by the Western power, then who is the true opponent of Putin? Does he, you know... Who is the true opponent? Because uh, from what Stanislav said, it's very difficult to identify somebody that is so outspoken against the current regime. Uh, that's uh, like a very tricky question, I would say, and there is no one clear-cut answer to it. Uh, like just to name uh, Putin's contender or opponent is a daunting task. Uh, yeah, I think that from my perspective, it would be like now it would be hardly possible to name one just because um, uh, when it comes to autocracies, usually leaders are always popular or at least like it seems that they um, like uh, enjoy uh, the support of most of people. And this support, support is supposed to take form, like different forms, we can call that, in uh, elections, uh, in opinion polls, and just in political programs. So like this agenda must always be like supported, that the leader is quite popular, that he or she enjoys the broad popular support. And under such circumstances, it's very difficult just for a real political contender to emerge just because such regimes, I would say, prevent uh, viable opposition from uh, even uh, conceiving, from being conceived. I would call it that way. So I I can't uh, mention any figure that can be a real contender 
to Putin. But as for the West and uh, as for its perception, then we can see that uh, like that the West even uh, like uh, put like it depicts Navalny as as somebody who can really challenge Vladimir Putin. If if I may, I can show you a couple of cartoons that like uh, just mm -hmm. convey the same idea. Yes. Uh, first of all, I would like just to show you the difference between the Russian way of depicting Navalny and the like <clears throat> Western way of depicting Navalny. Here, uh, there is no point in uh, playing any guessing game. That's definitely a Russian way of looking at Mr. Navalny. Yeah. What does it you... says? What does it says? Because I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, uh, this um, cartoon emerged in 2017. At that time, Mr. Navalny was uh, not in jail, but by this time, he had faced a lot of like notorious cases. But he, he all he by that time he had always emerged like unscathed. Uh, yeah, and like uh, here we can see like a roly poly toy that you know what it is. You push it, and it just it then it remain it uh, returns to the initial. Uh, just to understand the title, we need to uh, refer to the Russian word of this toy. And in uh, Russian, it sounds like nivalashka. So you push it, and then it returns uh, back. But as Alexei's surname is uh, Navalny, then there is like uh, a game of the words nivalashka. Yeah, and uh, judging by the appearance of this toy, then it's not so appealing. And uh, moreover, it is in the hands of the Kremlin. Just and here we can see the question that just. Uh, Navalny is not in jail. Is he the Kremlin's agent? Ah, so, okay, like, okay. this this very like the purpose of this very cartoon is to question the very uh, idea of, of of Navalny being the opposition leader. That in fact he is not um, an opposition leader. That he is a project and he is a pet project of uh, Kremlin. So that was one. Uh, view. Let's take a look at the Western way uh, of presenting <laughs> Mr. Navalny. Yeah, so here everything is clear as day, uh, just because a year ago I think that he was dubbed the man of the year, and just here we can see a very heroic title, The Man Putin Fears. Yes, Navalny is in the foreground here, so he's yes. determined, he's sturdy, he's a real hero, but as for the background, we can see his wife, so so that maybe that she, she has always been like uh, with him, and then Putin, that Putin doesn't play such an important role here, that we have a real like hero. Yes, so the same story like the barbed wire, which uh, symbolizes uh, Navalny's imprisonment. Uh, but the way he's looking into some 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 place, I, I think, is related maybe to his vision of the future. Again, that's uh, the Russian version of uh, Navalny's life. So here we can see some Western uh, politicians, uh, in particular Biden and uh, I think Macron, like French president. And uh, just they uh, are watching TV where they can see like uh, Navalny uh, being sentenced or just be, being in a cell and they are shouting free him immediately. 
but um, the creator here just depicts uh, some double standards that Navalny is the only person who is in prison in Russia. Like it seems that Navalny is the only person you know, who is in prison in Russia. But as for the West, uh, like a lot of people have been detained and uh, jailed and moreover they've been like uh, guarded by some uh, brutal police forces yeah Very interesting yeah uh, at the same that's the west of course the economist uh, here you can see mr uh, like mr putin uh, who is going to feed a big uh, russian bear this is navalny which we can understand by looking at these like people, politicians, European politicians, and also uh, Western politicians who are depicted in a Lilliputian manner. So stop the detention, free Navalny. And here, like I think the creator wanted to show that just uh, Putin uh, uh, does not care about these politicians. They are very small for him. So he's going to deal with Navalny in his own way. <laughs> Is gonna fit you yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, also, what is interesting here, um, and I will tell you about that. That's something about religion, but it will be the next uh, picture. So here again, uh, the Russian work uh, that exposes Navalny as a certain charlatan. So you see that he is a confidence trickster. Here, like uh, here are his followers, hamsters just because like uh, they have, have uh, a very uh, short attention span they are like small uh, pets and so like it seems that they are not so clever that's why it's quite easily it's quite easy to trick them into doing something for mr navalny yeah and the most interesting fact that i have seen so far is this uh, this is a clear reference to this martyr uh, status. Uh, so here uh, Navalny is depicted as, I would say, another Jesus Christ arrested right before his crucifixion. So that's the idea of martyrdom, which I would say is quite... Mm, I wouldn't say that it is very widespread in media discourse, but it's one of the ideas that uh, that present that is present there. Yeah, uh, the idea of matter, uh, but uh, as it has some religious uh, connotation, definitely, it seems that uh, for the West it's okay to let Navalny suffer. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the very idea of self-sacrifice, so you become glorious, you become like a saint if you suffer. Like your your glory occurs in agony. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, so that has some religious, uh, of course, uh, roots. And the final is uh, also quite clear. That's uh, the that's a Russian cartoon where we can see Uncle Sam and his um, dog. Uh, Uncle Sam is keeping uh, Navalny on a leash, and in fact, he is treating him like a dog. So he mm -hmm. he's saying, "Let's speak." And then his response is like uh, Happy Independence Day, and instead of food, he can get money for for his comments. So that's again, that's the fact that all things 
that Navalny uh, say says sorry or thinks that he says um, has some price or have some price. That means that he gets money for what um, he has been saying to the public. That's the key idea of this cartoon. And the final uh, uh, the final picture is this one. So it it uh, directly refers uh, to what we have just mentioned, like the very idea that Navalny can um, uh, like can challenge Putin's authority. It's called eyeball to eyeball. It means that both of them are facing each other in a very angry way. Navalny is um, like uh, depicted very glowingly. I mean that um, that he's a real hero who is ready to stand tall and who is ready to stand up to the evil. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Putin here is the evil just because he's short. He uh, he uh, like he is not even as fit as Navalny, and like his legacy is here. It's a pile of skulls. It means that like he has done a lot of bad things, that he has committed a lot of like even crimes, and that's what allowed him to stand tall right now. Navalny doesn't have it. He is like infallible yes, here, yes. judging by the picture. So and that's why you know, like, Maria, I would combine the two. I would put Navalny on US dollars and Putin, I would leave him on the skulls, you know, and I think that this combination will be more, you know, it would be closer to reality in a sense, you know, when you have this guy, you know, standing on a pile of dollars and the other one on a pile of uh, skulls. I think it would be closer to reality. Oh. You know, the Western media have always been deft at uh, hyping up certain uh, things and uh, certain uh, characters. And here we can see that the Western media have clearly exaggerated the political figure of Mr. Navalny. Yeah. Uh, but what is interesting is the following fact. I would like to go back to this like idea. So Navalny is as a martyr. Uh, there were a couple of articles like depicting him this way and the, like these articles asked the following question like is Navalny a fool or a saint that he um, and one of the article even states that he uh, had like his uh, his own goggles or something like this so all these uh, things related to Jesus Christ but in terms of Russian discourse there is, of course, the opposite trend. I wouldn't say that it is widespread or it's omnipresent, but it's still like there. That sometimes uh, Navalny is regarded as the Antichrist. Oh, really? Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, just like, again, some religious things are used to describe his activities. For example, that he is a horseman of the apocalypse that he wants to tempt some uh, people who don't have critical thinking and those who are ready to follow him. And his very organization can be even called a sect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, just, I think that uh, it can be related to this one, that he, uh, the, we know that the, and what is the Antichrist, like infamous for, like he, uh, the key element uh, is uh, temptation. 
And like this charisma that may just uh, attract people who are not so clever. And uh, maybe, of course, here we don't see um, uh, just some religious uh, connotations and the, the message here is not so religious. Uh, or I would say that is it's not religious whatsoever. But again, it's about this, like, um, being, it's about being a confidence trickster. That's about the readiness to fool somebody and to tempt by, like, um, by offering something that people really want. So that's the idea of the Antichrist. But, uh, of course, the key, like, message is that uh, Navalny is a bad project of the West. Mm-hmm. that he he is uh, backed by his uh, foreign masters and that just all his activities uh, represent the domestic interference in uh, just the inter- foreign interference in domestic affairs but uh, like this trend has become discernible i would say over the recent years um even at the time of the mayoral elections and even just right uh, right after them, he, I would say, um, like Navalny was presented just as a person who uh, who who is not like uh, backed by the West, but he like his figure was either ignored or just uh, depicted in a in a very like limited way. Yes, and most messages I would say were quite uh, neutral. Yeah, if we take a look at them. But over the recent years, I would say that over the recent three or four years, like when this the whole stuff with the sentence uh, took place and so on, like of course his figure I would say started to be demonized by uh, by media by Russian media. Yeah. This is very interesting, and I think the the cartoons you showed us, the caricatures, are very telling in the um, in the way you have two opposing narratives. One that depicts Navalny either as the agent of the Kremlin or as the agent of the West, or on the contrary, the tall and very brave hero that is going to save Russia. Now. I really think it's important for the viewers to have these opposing narratives as simplistic ways of presenting a political situation that is beyond the moral character of the people involved. I mean, politics should be more than opposing narratives. Politics should offer solutions. And in terms of solutions, just opposing Putin is not in and out of this self a solution. It may be unnecessary, but it is far from enough solution for the complicated situation Russia finds itself in, facing the collective West, facing a lot of opposition, hatred towards it. And uh, I would say that it is, I am the, of the opinion that just opposing somebody is far from enough. And I'm saying this because we had in Romania Time and again, leaders that build their careers using exactly this narrative that they opposed. Then we voted them in, no positive solution for Romania. Things went from bad to worse. Then they were opposing Iliescu. Total disaster when we voted in Constantinescu that was supposed to be the ray of light and hope for Romania. Not at all. Then we even had Maria, a political party called Union Save Romania. 
So they had the name savior in the name of the party. And when they came to power or then when they were elected, it was a far cry from the solution, the magical solution that they put forward. So even if Navalny is true to himself, even if we accept the Western narrative that he wants to oppose Putin, I would say that the viewers and everybody who wants to form a rational political perspective should bear in mind that just opposing somebody is not a solution, not at all. I don't know if you agree. Um, I think that you are talking sense, and uh, I would say that the whole approach to politics should be uh, based on some clear objectives and goals. And just opposing somebody, right, is not enough to be a good politician. But uh, in, in terms of uh, Russia's uh, realities, I would say that maybe like this strategy or this very idea is considered to be like uh, the first step. It was, uh, like who was um, like who was Mr. Navalny at uh, the very start of his career? In fact, uh, there is a question whether we call we can call him a politician because first of all he was uh, a lawyer and he got his uh, education in law, and then just he uh, became a blogger and uh, like an activist and uh, in some western media he was even quoted as like a whistleblower so he was like russia's assange something like this but as for his political career i think that it's um, like started not so much time ago and uh, of course like uh, under the current uh, circumstances like one of the ways was just to oppose Putin and to say that there is an alternative, there is an alternative to Putin's regime. I think that he wanted like, to base his strategy on this very assumption that, look, there is um, an alternative to the current regime and that we can do something. Uh, as for his political program during the mayoral elections, like in 2013, then I remember that uh, some uh, prominent like uh, economists uh, had been invited to elaborate that, for example, Guriev, who has been living in uh, the West for for seven for seven years, something like this. So I wouldn't say that he just he came. Uh, he, that I wouldn't say that he entered um, politics with uh, with nothing. No, he had something, of course. And uh, yeah, like, uh, but uh, again, like life changed uh, at, at that time and he like, he didn't uh, get anything. So he was not elected to power. Yeah. So was, uh, and for us as, as, as leftists, I think it's very, very important to stay focused, even in this very complicated political arena on real solutions, because there is a current in Romania, as I told you, for instance, and we should get rid of NATO. And I'm sick and tired of having this type of legitimizing power in this very peculiar and quite bizarre way where you don't put forward a vision. You just say, oh, we have to get rid of Putin. And, or here in Romania, we have to get rid of NATO. Then what? <laughs> I mean, then what? Because it stops there. And I told you, we had time and again for the past 30 years, we still had this idea, if only we'd get rid of Ceausescu, then Iliescu, 
then uh, corruption, then we always had to get rid of something. And now we have some elements, of course, they are still at the fringes of the political life here because pretty much the mainstream politicians, intellectuals, and the establishment is pro-NATO. But we still have politicians saying, if only we get rid of NATO, then what? I mean, you should come up with a different solution. And until I'm hearing, you know, solutions like let's help cooperatives, let's change the way we produce goods and services. Let's uh, think about ways to redistribute wealth so that everybody benefits from the collective work that we are doing. Until I hear these things, these solutions, I think, are just pure rhetoric. And I don't care who writes the program. If the program is more of the same thing, but with minor changes, I'm not buying it. I don't know for you was the, the position. I'm quite curious. But for me, I became very cynical and very skeptical until I hear, you know, buzzwords like, let's change the way we produce goods and services. Let's bring democracy to work and let's produce thing in a cooperative manner. Let's give everybody a voice in the workplace. So let's redistribute, let's uh, emphasize uh, uh, participation in democracy, in uh, budgeting. Let's hear from the people and local communities when we decide what projects to finance. Until I hear these things, these ideas that we, a savior comes, saves us from the evil, and then everything will be perfect for me is just fairy tale. Mm, yeah, like I, I do see your point and um, quite open some lofty ideas. I mean, saving country, establishing a democracy, maybe a fig leaf for some uh, pure business interests or purely business interests. Yeah, but at the same time, we, sh we should start at least with some uh, with, uh, from something from scratch. Uh, getting rid of uh, something is a very radical approach. Uh, and it's a ver it's a very radical step. So some evolutionary changes, of course, are needed. But in order to implement these changes, like uh, continuity is needed, like stability stability is needed. But again, this stability, like as as I see it, this stability should be real, uh, and uh, just to allow these changes uh, to co uh, to come deeper and to to become deeper even, and uh, like. For this very purpose, like elections are needed. Yes, just you come, uh, you uh, come to the sphere. You enter, uh, like you enter politics with your own political manifesto. You have your promises, and then you just uh, you you can be elected to power or you cannot be elected to power. It depends. But if like if you are a lucky person to be elected into power, you have a particular term to do something. If you don't do what you have promised to do, then you are kicked out. <laughs> and that's how it works. Just uh, I think that this mechanism... This, this is uh, how it works ideally, I would say, because yeah. mm -hmm. if you don't have economic change, like, for instance, let's say in Russia, through very democratic elections, you get a leader like Medvedev. I think she's, he's being prepared from... My intuition is that he's the one being prepared to become the next president. Then what? Because you have the same thing. Or even if somebody from the Communist Party comes to power and they continue the same lines, you know, there's nothing. And 
there is no real change, you know, until you hear different different ideas. And for instance, the U.S. is is mastering at a level unprecedented this um, this uh, practice of simulating debate. You know, they continue the same neoliberal, very harsh anti-worker. Uh, you know, regulations and and practices and laws, and they just throw in some cultural themes for debate, you know, but when you take the, the structure of the economic program of Democrats or the Republicans, there isn't much difference. And this is what I'm talking about. I mean, if somebody comes to power in, in Russia, because now you're facing high levels of inequality from all the posters, even the, the state back, and they continue with a system that creates such huge inequality, then the was the solution what what really changed well uh, like th there is a trivial thing like uh, where there is a will there is a way just some political will is needed to, to change something but again changes cannot be just as as, as clear as stages they are not be so simple and uh, just the way they are in, uh, the way they are like put into practice this is will will be very difficult and in terms of medvedev by the way and his presidency i would say that uh, Navalny rose to fame under Medvedev, Medvedev's presidency because at that very time, just there was a more scope for like for freedom and for freedom of speech, and at, at that very time, this protest broke out just because like the situation was not as tense as it as uh, it is now, and uh, th this time was quite liberal. I would say that discussions. Mm -hmm place and debates took place and uh, this uh, very context enabled Navalny just to emerge as the alleged uh, leader of the opposition. Yes, of course, uh, he's not the leader, uh, the main leader. And the, the, another interesting point, like final point, is that, uh, again, uh, Navalny's figure has been hyped up a lot. But, for example, if we take a look at a different opposition uh, figure, uh, Kara Murza, uh, that's, uh, uh, he's a, a more interesting like, uh, like personality, just because there haven't been so many articles written about him, uh, and uh, just uh, there haven't been so many cartoons made about him, but uh, he like was jailed uh, a year ago in Russia for spreading the false information about the uh, armed forces, Russian armed forces. Uh, but at the same time, like uh, before uh, his uh, arrest, he had managed to deliver a speech uh, in the United States. So, and he, that was like uh, a symbol, I would say, that Navalny has never done it so far. Uh, but Karamurzar, like, yeah, but Karamurzar hasn't been so, like, he hasn't been covered extensively by the Western media. Yes. So th that's the Very difference. Interesting. Very mm -hmm. interesting. Yes, indeed. So it just shows that we need to invite you more often and discuss more Russian politics because I think it's very important to discuss Russia with Russians that are able to provide a critical perspective on what's happening in their country. I think it's only fair and it's only reasonable to do so. So thank you so much for joining us today. Madian, and uh, to the viewers, if you liked what you saw, 
and uh, you want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash the barricade. You can make a monthly donation, subscription. You can share our content. We have a small community of donors to whom we are very thankful. And we want to have a much larger community of donors because that would allow us to produce more content like this. Thank you so much for uh, for watching. And uh, please stay healthy, keep fighting, and we'll see you all in the next segment of our show. Mm -hmm.